Tonight, another cold case from the Metro Police Homicide Files. It's a murder from 1973. Welcome to the Searching for Closure podcast. After talking about stab wounds on last week's episode and the whole part about daggers and sacrifices, it got me thinking about human sacrifice. Now, don't worry, I'm not going to go performing any tests or anything, but I did do some research to see how common even talk was of sacrificing animals amongst pagans, witches, and Satanists. Now, the Satanic Bible does discuss a symbolic human sacrifice, but it's through hexing, which is basically a magical thingy. The quote I have says, It leads to the physical, mental, or emotional destruction of the sacrifice. The primary goal, however, is not the destruction of the individual, but rather the anger and wrath summoned up within the magician during the course of the ritual. So basically, from my limited knowledge, when you're a Satanist and you hate someone, you do this little hex on them and then you don't really hate them anymore because you got all your hate out while performing the hex. Well, what about those pagans who practice magic with a K and perform a bunch of other things that I can't pronounce? Not that I'm very good at pronouncing things in the first place, but... They practice stuff that I have no idea how to pronounce. Well, from a magical pagan blog that I found, it seems that sacrifices are special events, and they are usually performed during special seasonal celebrations, which doesn't exactly coincide with Tina's death. But sometimes they are performed when a greater offering is needed than what is covered by normal offerings. Usually, this is an animal sacrifice. Many pagans and witches believe that mastering the art of sacrificing an actual animal is very important, but some believe that modern surrogates can be used instead. I couldn't tell what a surrogate meant exactly, but the author stated that in order to perform a proper sacrifice, the animal needed to be, quote, dispatched in a clean and efficient manner with little suffering or fear. Now, obviously, this wasn't the case with Tina, if she was, in fact, some pagan sacrifice. Unless, of course, she was rendered unconscious before the sacrifice with a blow to the head. One thing I found interesting was that pagans from olden times went through painstaking efforts to keep the animal from freaking out or panicking, because if something went wrong, then basically the sacrifice was useless. Some pagans would even drug the animals. Which made me really wish that I could read Tina's autopsy report and see what kind of drugs she had in her system. I mean, even if her killer just got her like really, really stoned before he hit her in the head and performed the sacrifice, that's still drugging. Now, once the ancient pagans would kill the sacrifice the blood would need to be properly collected and used, and the carcass immediately butchered and divided among the other pagans and the god or demon or whatever they were sacrificing it to. The part for the demon or the deity or god or whatever would be burned in a special fire or altar, and the rest would be cooked. But 
be careful not to burn it. Only the demon gets the burnt meat. Now, again, I have to wonder, was there any signs of ashes or a fire near the beach that night? That might bear a little more weight to the sacrifice theory. Next, I read about Aleister Crowley. You might have heard about him from that Black Sabbath song. Now, from what I could gather, he also went by a name which I'm probably going to pronounce wrong. I'm not that good at pronouncing names. I'm sorry. So he called himself Frater Purabu. Frater apparently means a brother. And Purabu is one will... See, I can't even say it any proper words after I say the name. The last name is one who will endure until the end. Or it could just mean a table which will endure until the end. I've kind of read conflicting definitions during my research. He had a quote, bloody sacrifice that described stabbing an animal in the heart and severing its throat with a knife. That sounds exactly like Tina in my opinion. She was killed by a stab wound to the heart. And I've heard from people who were at her funeral that she was almost decapitated from the remaining 60 stab wounds. The author of this blog made it a huge deal to point out that stabbing was the best way to sacrifice. He said it was even better than crucifixion. He also said the victim must be in perfect health or his energy may be poisoned, which would fit with Tina. I mean, who's healthier than a 15-year-old girl? And if the newspapers were correct, she had never been happier. Also, the animal must not be too large. The amount of energy released is apparently a lot. And if the animal's too big, it'll release too much energy. Well, Tina was pretty tiny, so I'm sure there wasn't too much energy for any deity to handle. And then there is this quote. The magician may easily be overwhelmed and obsessed by the force which he has let loose. It will then probably manifest itself in its lowest and most objectionable form. That sound like guilt to you? It kind of sounds like guilt to me. But what do I know? I don't practice magic with a K. So moving on. In the Gardnerian Book of Shadows, I think that's how you say it, there is a section entitled Power. In it, it talks about how awesome blood sacrifices are. It says power flashes forth from newly shed blood and the victim's terror and anguish as keenness. The victim's pain and terror holds power. There are whispers that when the human victim was a willing sacrifice with their mind directed on the <clears throat> great work in the writing, both great and work were capitalized. Anyways, uh, with their mind directed on the great work and highly skilled assistants, wonders ensue. So that's kind of contradicting. According to this book, terrorizing an animal or a person before sacrificing them is way better than if it goes peacefully. Now, I still don't know, honestly, how much stock I put into the satanic cult theory. But as an investigator, I have to explore every option. And I found theories with 
both methods of sacrifice that could be plausible in Tina's murder. So, once again, without having any of our questions answered by the police, we don't know any more now than we did 15 minutes ago. Besides the fact that sacrifice is a possibility and nothing has been ruled out. So, that's all for this week's case file. I hope it was just a little bit more interesting than last week's stabby episode. On next week's case file, I'll be heading up to Portage, Wisconsin, near the Wisconsin Dells, for my final case file, to cover another unsolved murder that will lead me directly into season three. A young woman was brutally stabbed over 30 times, but unlike most of the victims I cover on this podcast, this girl survived. That's all coming next week on the Searching for Closure podcast. So, since last episode, I finished the Dating Show Killer audiobook, and it was incredible. I thought it was going to be kind of boring, but turned out I was really into it. So, after finishing that book, to prepare for this episode, I downloaded American Gods by Neil Gaiman. True, it doesn't have anything to do with Satanism or witchcraft or sacrifices, but I started watching the show and lost interest, and I wanted to give the book a try. Now, of course, the audiobook was way better than the show. You can download this book for free right now or choose from any of the 180,000 books that Audible has. Plus, you get two free Audible originals. Just go to audibletrial.com slash closure, get a free month, three free audiobooks. That's audibletrial.com dot com slash closure. Now, if you prefer something besides just listening to stuff, you can try Hunt a Killer. It's a murder mystery box that sucks you in and doesn't spit you out. Every month, you get a new box delivered to your door by a serial killer, or maybe they're a cult leader or a Satanist. Who knows? That's up to you to find out. As you sift through piles of documents, evidence, audio recordings, and case files, eliminating suspects, eventually, if you're smart enough, then you'll catch the killer, just like I'm trying to do. You can play Hunt a Killer with your friends, significant other, or by yourself, or if you have a bunch of cats, you can all gather around and play together. However you want to play, it's up to you. To skip the application process, just go to huntakiller.com slash audio. And use the promo code CLOSURE at checkout to save 20% off your first box. Now, by using these two sponsors, you're supporting this podcast. Because all proceeds goes towards spreading the word about Tina. And with Season 3, I have a plan where all proceeds from you know these two advertisers, I will use that money to buy merchandise from my store which I will give out to listeners who share the podcast and the website, you know, on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or wherever. And, you know, just spread the word about Tina. So basically by signing up for audible, you get a free book, two free audible originals, and then you could possibly get a free searching for closure shirt or a coffee mug or sticker or something. So, you know, please share this podcast with all your friends on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Of course, I'm at Closure Podcast. 
find all the information at searchingforclosure.com. You know, the more people we have looking at this case, the better the chances are that they might see something that all of us have missed. That's all for this week. Until next time, thank you for listening.